Welcome, everyone, to episode 134 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. Some people call me uh, way worse things, but that's okay, because they just hate him. Yeah. <laughs> also... They, they, they just hate him. Yeah. This is a phrase I've never understood. Hating on someone. How do you hate on someone? You can hate someone. How do you hate on someone? Like, do you have to, like, physically stand on them and hate them? Like, do you have to tell them that you hate them if you're standing on them? Because I think if you're standing on them, they might already know. So that seems, like, awfully redundant. But I digress because we are here at Castle Wolfenstud, and we are <laughs> talking with uh, my co-host, who is always here with me. She is the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, ladies and gentlemen. Dramatic pause. Ashes von Nightmare. I don't even have a response to that. You could say hello to the people. Hello the- to the people yeah. out there. And we are, of course, also here by the namesake of... Castle Wolfenstead, Johnny Wolfenstead. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> I messed up just now, but no one could hear it cause, except for Ripken because I had the volume <laughs> down, which I just I just blew the uh, the the guest man. I just just spoiled well, blowing the guest is definitely like a way to get him to <laughs> that's, come back. That's extra. That costs extra. That's why I keep coming back. <laughs> And, uh, of course, as uh, Wolfie <laughs> just mentioned, we have Big surprise back with us because, Yay! I mean, if you're going to keep blowing the guest, he's going to keep coming back. <laughs> we actually waited uh, an entire week. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we'll see you next week, Ripken. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's worth every day. Uh, so if you caught our show last week, uh, you know that we talked about Unbreakable and with uh, depending on you know whether or not you got advanced tickets or not, uh, either today or tomorrow is the premiere of the third film in the M Night Shyamalan Lem Unbreakable Universe trilogy, Glass. So we talked about David Dunn and Elijah Price, also known as Mister Glass, last week. And so today we are talking about the middle film. We're going to be discussing James McAvoy and the multitude of characters that he plays in the second film, Split. Now, if you've seen trailers for this, you know that McAvoy and 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 uh, Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis are all in this film. However, when this came out, nobody knew that it was a, a, a sequel. And you don't get it until the very end when McAvoy's kind of talking amongst himself, (laughs) for lack of a better term. He's talking amongst himself in a group. Yes. Yeah, real oxymoron. Um, And a theme starts playing, and it's the unbreakable theme. And then you get to see Bruce Willis at the very end of the film, which was fun because... Nobody expected it. I didn't expect it. I was just like, you know, I've heard good things about Split. I really like James McAvoy. Let's give this a shot. Because as we mentioned, 
Shyamalan is hit or miss with a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff. Four for 20. Yeah, especially recently. <laughs> um, but he knocked it out of the park with, with this. So Yeah, definitely. But we have some thoughts on uh, to open up the show before we really get into the the, the crux of the conversation. So, Ashes, why don't you uh, let us know what we'll be talking about today? So, because we're going to be talking about a character who has multiple personalities, we wanted to know if you could create an alternate personality for to, for yourself to ultimately better yourself, what would it be? Well, to give you a little bit of context for this, um, there is a, a, a scene in the film where you see one of McAvoy's personalities... See, the whole thing is that this, it's all about the power of the mind and the brain and like, almost like the power of suggestion where one of his personalities has diabetes and must take an insulin shot, but none of the other personalities do. And they even mentioned someone else who had dissociative identity disorder, um, who was blind, but developed other personalities and those personalities could see, so her optic nerves regenerated. So when we say something like this, like, for instance, if Ripken wanted a different personality that had a full set of toes, we could he could go with that. Um, see, this is a tough one for me. Because being, uh, you know the pinnacle of human evolution, it's tough to decide what I would improve upon. Oh my God, you were so so (laughs) fucking full of yourself. (laughs) Well, there goes my answer, because I was going to say I would just become Patsy. Well, I mean... The pinnacle of... (laughs) (laughs) Whatever he said, yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think for me... If I were to uh, come up with, can someone. your alternate personality be quiet? No. Yeah. Please. I, <laughs> please. Okay. Please. I would. I. I. I think I can accommodate your wish. Can your alternate personality be Patrice Bergeron? My alternate personality would be Patrice Bergeron, but instead of hockey, he was really good and like the top of his game. And, like, the Selkie Award winner of Mime. Oh, my God. That, wait. <laughs> the Selkie Award winner of Mime. Yes. So, I would be quiet, which is what you want. Oh, my God. So. Now, just out of curiosity, in your first year of Mime, did you win the Calder Trophy of Mime? Oh, yeah. You have to win the Calder Trophy. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. I'd be like, oh, look at me. I'm trapped in this box. Uh, I do not know how to get out. We've been over I'm, there. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure you get the concept of mime. <laughs> look at me struggle against this wind. It is so blustery today. We've been over this. Patrice Bergeron does not sound like that. <laughs> I'm really glad this mime is telling me what's happening here. 
Oh, could you help me pull on this rope right here? <laughs> oh, it's a rope. Now I understand. Okay. I am a good mime. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, now I believe him. <laughs> if he hadn't said that, I would have been I would be wondering. <laughs> I am getting strange looks from people. I will climb this invisible ladder and get away. Uh, I am Bergeron. He does not sound like that. Oh, my God. He doesn't have a Canadian accent. He's like, hello, look at me. I am Bergeron. Uh, I win this hockey. I am a good hockey. He does not sound like that. Hey, hey, we're all a good hockey. (laughs) Uh, I make this score point with uh, Marchand, and uh, he leaks the people. (laughs) Our goalie, his name is Tuka. (laughs) Oh, we have God. another goalie. He's named Halak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Ripkin, please tell us yours. Please. <laughs> please tell us yours. I'm just, I'm astounded. <laughs> I'm astounded at like the, like the pitch perfect French Canadian accent I'm hearing. It's like I'm actually in the province of Quebecois. <laughs> Holy at least it doesn't sound like John Travolta. <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm French, huh? <laughs> hey, sorry. <laughs> but you promised to help me move. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh jeez, huh? Why? Blue. Why am I sober right now? Oh, my God. I'm not, I'm not even sure I remember the question. <laughs> if you could create a personality that fixed a flaw. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know what? I know my answer. Um, I would probably I, pick one that didn't have such a monstrously huge penis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, I guess I could change my answer now. But <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but it, honestly, it is kind of like that. Admittedly, but no, not that. Uh, I would pick someone who's like a ladies' man, because admittedly, me, I'm not at all. I'm rather shy around the ladies, and uh, I've, I've been single for a really long time because of that. So, you know, um, I think I would be someone who's like really confident, who's really able to get out, who's suave, obviously. Like, you know, I would slick back my hair and wear some nice suits and shit, and fucking. Yeah, I'd, I'd be slick because that's pretty much everything I am not at the moment. I'm not slick at all. I, In fact, I struggle to carry on any sort of conversation with anybody, not just women, but with like anybody. I just don't know what to talk about half the time. So You yeah, seem I, to be doing fairly well now. Thank you. Well, at least I got a topic at least, you know, I've been – so, but yeah, if, as for like just meeting people and like asking, just getting to know people, I, I, I kind of struggle with that. And I, I'm, I'm really introverted, admittedly, like I, I like time to myself. So, but at the same time, I wouldn't mind being someone who, who got out there and was, and was more confident and uh, yeah, admittedly a ladies man and, and whatnot, I guess is the term or yeah, I don't, yeah. So that, that's probably my answer. I just, I don't know. I'd be uh, I need a slick name. Hello, Jim like, Pell Ripkin. How would you like to munch on my baguette? No, no, I couldn't possibly steal sexy French Canadian. I'd have to be like the sexy, terrible at Spanish guy. Ooh, hello. Uh, I'm Ripkin, eh? Uh... <laughs> That's, that sounds like I'm terrible at my own language. <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, I'm from Canada, I think, eh? Uh... Would you like to go oot with me? 
god. My confidence is through the roof, eh? Like, I, <laughs> like I'm super good at talking to the girls and whatnot, so... I'm yeah. like a bull moose in heat. <laughs> Maybe we could go out for a poutine, then we could go back to my place, and I could take a poutine on you. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That would be my overly Canadian ladies, man. So. Oh, oh, Christ. Uh, the Canadian ladies, man. Like, that would be like Mike Myers doing the old Tim say, Meadows like, like bit. A, <laughs> sounds like an SNL character. Like. All right, I, Ashes, I, let's hear your bad French-Canadian personality. Yep, nope, that's not going to happen. Darn. Um, <laughs> No, I feel like uh, my, my well, if you want to get into accents, okay. So I feel like my alternate personality would be British because I feel like half the shit I say would sound so much cuter if I had an English accent. Ew, crumpets. No, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that did like, sound cuter. <laughs> like, like Spice Girl British. Like, oh my god. Oh, look at me. Oh, man, she's full nightmare. I like wine. But anyways, I would want my alternate personality to have a high metabolism because I do not. And I have to work out and eat right and do like try not to drink as much wine uh, as I would like to. Um, oh, know, these kippers are going straight to me, guys. Oh, my God. Stop it. I really want a crumpet now. Um. <laughs> you got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah. That was, uh, ex- <laughs> excellent Ninja Turtles reference is what I meant. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, I have to work really hard. So, if my alternate personality had a high metabolism like ashes me could just be like hey yeah i'm gonna have all the sushi and i'm gonna drink a bunch of wine and then my alternate personality could kick in and she'd be like oh my god power we're gonna go for a run now like yeah we're gonna do this kind of like a susan powers like you know who that is, right? Is she the, the one 80s? that did like all the singing? Like, no, no, she was the oh, that's fitness Susan girl. Boyle. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want that metabolism. <laughs> I don't know who Susan Powers you is. You don't know who Susan Powers is? I know who Austin Powers is. No, she was like back in like the like the eighties. She was like, Yeah, we're gonna get in this shit. Like the really like abrasive like Tony Danza workout guru who you know was very in your face and like we're gonna get into shape and we're gonna work Jane out. Fonda, yeah. you think it. Well, yeah, kind of, but not really. But 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 like more abrasive than Jane Fonda. Oh, Richard Simmons. Yes, yes. Yeah, British British female Richard Simmons. <laughs> yes. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Let's shake the butter off those buns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pony. I'm a pony. <laughs> oh. Actually, I, I will say I have done some of Richard Simmons workout tapes with my mom, and they're a lot of fun. My you problem sw- is sweat to the oldies. I did sweat to the oldies. My problem was like the VHS that I had, like the the uh, the cover was kind of damaged. So I did the workout, but I did it wrong because I went by the the cover. I was eaten to the oldies. Oh no! Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 
I was like, common, why are all these common. people jazzercising? I'm just eating these chips. Oh, my God. I love jazzercising. Okay, so growing up, there was this – if you got up, like, really, really early and watched Disney Channel, there was – I think at, like, 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, there was this show, and it was called Mousercising, and it was pretty much like Jazzercise with Mickey Mouse. Please tell me you know what I'm talking about. I did not watch the Disney Channel. We were poor. <laughs> I, did, I, I just did not wake up early ever, even as a child. Okay, well, that was a thing. Oh, I used that's to wake a, up that's early. A, that's a thing that you know now. You could jazzercise with Mickey Mouse. Oh, boy. I don't know. Huh? Let's get those hips up, kids. Huh? <laughs> Russell's pelvises. Yeah, there we go. Huh? Now we're doing it. Huh? If anybody out there knows what mouser size is, like, please let me know. I'm not crazy, right? Well, right. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's debatable. That's a topic for another show, right? <laughs> but yeah, if if you know what mouser sizing is, like, give me a shout out. Let me know because uh, I can't be the only one. All right. So, question for everybody out there is the same. Like, what personality flaw would you fix with a flawless French Canadian accent? Mm-hmm. Um, let us know. Reach out to us on. Uh, the social medias and uh, Throwdown Thursday podcast at gmail dot com. So I think with that we will uh, go ahead. We'll take a quick break and when we come back. We'll uh, start talking about James McAvoy and his fucking amazing performance in uh, 2016 Split. So we'll be right back. Fueled by tacos, beer, and bloody marys, the only show featuring Baby Jesus with a nail gun. The pride of PA and the show with the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen, Punch Farm. Hey, this is Mark from Punch Farm. I'm here with Mark Dose. Hello. I'm here with Alicia. Hello. I'm here with Nikki. Hey. Join us every Monday as we talk about life, tacos, beer, and movies. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and punchfarm.com. Keep on punching! Hi, <laughs> I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday's podcast. Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness? Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class? When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Derailers. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks. And we are back. So, like I said, we're going to be discussing 2016's uh, Split, starring James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, <clears throat> now, I rewatched this, actually, uh, the day we're recording this, I rewatched it that, that same day. And um, there is a scene, and we'll get into it, but... It's 57 minutes and 50 seconds into the film that just exemplifies. And I, I've been taking notes because my goal this year is to watch 365 movies 
and I've been like taking notes on each one that I've watched, even if it's a rewatch, and so far they've all been rewatches. But there is that scene, and I wrote down how great of an actor, especially in this particular scene, that McAvoy is. And I had to look it up. I knew he didn't win an Oscar, but I thought he might have been nominated for something. No, the highest award he received was a Teen Choice Award for Best Villain. Mm, that fucking prestige. Nice. Yeah, like... That's almost as good as Best Kiss. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Best Villain, like, he was phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> his character, uh, when we are introduced to him, he is a character named Dennis. And Dennis has been tasked with obtaining sacred food for someone who is coming to pass judgment on these teenage girls. So it's Anya Taylor-Joy and two of her friends. And he sprays them all with, I don't know, Raid or something. I don't know. Some sort of aerosol-based knockout gas after drugging one of the the girl's fathers and they drives away in that guy's car and they're trying to figure out what the hell he wants what they're going to do what are you laughing at sorry you said nothing he sprayed them with raid and it reminded (laughs) me of a meme that i saw yesterday okay where it was like an officer speaking to the wife and the officer was like ma'am why did you spray your husband with raid and she's like because he was bugging me (laughs) it's a quality pun if you sprayed me with raid and you said that i'd be like and i I immediately thought i don't even care that i'm choking right now that's worth (laughs) worth the uh partial blindness and the loss of depth perception so, so yeah, I, I thought of that. And when I saw it, I immediately saw my future. So that's a thing. Yeah. So so anyways, <clears throat> continue, back please. Back to this. So the girls are locked in this room, and they're trying to figure out what the hell this guy wants. And they're all thinking the worst, except for, uh, shit, what is her name? Casey? Casey. Casey Cook. Yep. Which, as we've learned from Stan Lee... If you have an alliterative name, you're probably the hero. Peter Parker, mm-hmm. Reed Richards, Sue Storm. Or you're at least going to survive anyways. Mm. Not so much if you're the hero, but you're... Because not always, because J. Jonah Jameson is jerk Jonah Jameson. <laughs> what? J. Jonah Jameson. Bring me pictures of Spider-Man. J.K. Simmons' character in the Spider-Man movies. He runs the Daily Bugle. He has an alliterative name, but he's not generally a good guy. He's not like a bad guy. He did create the Scorpion as a way of trying to get Spider-Man killed, but we digress. (laughs) So we learn fairly quickly into the film that there are more than one person that is involved in keeping these girls hostage because they can see through a a small crack in the door 
that there's a woman standing outside, and they're like, help us, help us, you know. <clears throat> and she is having a conversation with the man who kidnapped them. And so she comes into the room, opens the door, starts talking to them, and all the girls look horrified. And then we, the camera turns, and we see that this is James McAvoy wearing like a house dress and a, a sweater. And it turns out that he has dissociative identity disorder. And we find out later that he has 23 separate and distinct personalities, including the original personality, the the, the original identity, who um, is, for lack of a better term, the real person. <clears throat> and that person is Kevin Wendell Crumb. And so with dissociative identity disorder, <clears throat> a lot of people just refer to it as multiple personalities and a lot of times confuse it with schizophrenia. They're like, oh, you have multiple personalities, you must be schizophrenic. You know, there's that old joke from the, the Bill Murray movie, Bo uh, What About Bob? Roses are red, violets are blue, I have multiple personality disorder, and so do I. Or I, I have schizophrenia, and so do <laughs> <Yeah>. I. <laughs> but schizophrenia is auditory hallucinations for the most part. Um <clears throat> dissociative identity disorder happens when a uh, and there was a Sally Field movie called Sybil where the woman had 17 separate personalities I think that's what she won her Oscar for you know the you like me you really really like me speech <laughs> a personality uh, splinters off in an event of severe trauma usually some sort of childhood abuse because if the other personality is the one who is you know, taking the abuse from, you know, generally a parent or, you know, other other guardian in some way, you know, maybe a bully, <clears throat> then, you know, if, say, Dennis is the one who's being hit, Kevin is safe. So the mind kind of splinters off. But each of these personalities we, we learn through, you know, some... Uh, uh, Informative exposition. It's not ex uh, exposition for exposition's sake. It's actually serving a purpose. And we only find out, you know, sort of sprinkled throughout the entire uh, film, usually between uh, interactions with his, his doctor, Dr. Fletcher. Each personality has their own real, um, like, issues, which is why we were talking about what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, so you have one of the personalities, Jade, who requires an insulin shot. Because as Jade, Jade is diabetic, but none of the other personalities are diabetic. And we get a little bit of uh, exposition from the computer files where each personality takes their own, uh, what they call time in the light. So they envision it as all the personalities sitting in chairs... And there's a spotlight. Think of it like a like a stage or a, <clears throat> like a stage play. And whoever is in the light is the dominant personality and they control what happens. Now, as with a lot of cases of dissociative identity disorder, there's a constant struggle to be the dominant personality. And we find out towards the end of the film that Kevin, again, the real person from whom all these personalities stemmed has been out of control, out of the light 
for approximately two years. And he has no idea. He's like, I think there, I've been missing some time. He's like, is it still September 18th, 2014? And it's like, no, it's now 2016. So he's he's lost two years during the struggle for dominance of all these different personalities. And his other personalities are aware that Kevin exists and their main goal is to protect him. And they say that like we push him in the back because he needs he, he's fragile. He needs to be protected. And that's like what I was saying at the beginning. That's where these personalities stem from. And we yeah. find out it's because he had an abusive mother. <laughs> and so each of these personalities like, you know, we see his mother screaming at him like you made a mess. You made a mess. And throughout the film, prior to even seeing that, we see Dennis, who is very fastidious about clean cleanliness. But he also has uh, proclivities towards forcing young girls to dance naked for him. Which, you know, obviously does not mesh well with, you know, legality. And we see this at the very beginning of the film. Like, you know, one of the girls gets taken and he's, you know, as she's trying to struggle against her, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Casey, says, you know, pee on yourself. You know, which is a tactic that, you know, is is told to a lot of people who are, you know, if like you find yourself in a, in a, a, a position of violence or some sort of uh, like se- sexual assault, soil yourself, and generally the attacker will leave you alone. And so the girl does, which stops the the torment that Dennis is trying to impose upon her. So it spirals he gets out from pee there. all over himself. Yes, and he's <laughs> he's very like I said, very fastidious, very like uh like to the point where it's like O C D like you have a crumb yeah. on your shirt. Ger- germaphobe O C D yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Which clearly, you know, stems from that abuse that he Correct. Dennis would clean up any of Kevin's messes. Yes. So Kevin wouldn't get in trouble. Right. And Kevin wouldn't get abused. Like, it's to the point where he's like, you know, they have a bathroom in this room where they're locked. And it's like, okay, I have I have color-coded your cleaning stuff. You know, use the blue one for this and the pink one for this. And this is how you do it. Right. And Dennis is the first personality that we meet. And at this yes. point, we don't know... That there are multiple personalities until he comes in as Patricia person. Um, So yeah, until he leaves and then comes in dressed as Patricia, having the argument with himself. Yeah, he he does. Yeah, and that's something that he has uh, happened several times throughout the movie. But one thing I love is you think that these girls are being captured for uh, pretty young girls for sexual reasons yes but you find out that that's not the case and you can tell that dennis is having this inner quarrel you know he does take one of the girls you know like you said he wanted her to dance for him she peed on herself and 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 you know he was like this just you you made a mess you made a mess on me this just can't happen but 
it's like he's having this inner quarrel of he's trying to be good and that is something that is mentioned by one of the other personalities i believe patricia says that he's trying to be good he says it yes he says i'm trying to be good because one of the girls tries to escape um because they're Patricia all comes in and says you know after they have that conversation you know Dennis and Patricia, which is still just James McAvoy arguing with himself. She's like, you know, he's been reminded that you're here for a purpose. He won't bother you again. Right. Because all of these personalities are actually working for the and they ultimately these personalities become known as the horde. They are working towards uh, working for another personality that is in the process of emerging. Now, Ripken, when you first saw this, yes, did you have any idea that this was connected to Unbreakable in any way? Uh, I did actually, but that that's that's my own fault. Unfortunately, I think I uh, I it got ruined for me through spoilers. Yeah, uh, ha- had I not read those spoilers, like I said, I was telling you uh, off air that uh, you asked me when I'm going to go see Glass, and uh, I go see movies with my older brother. We are on two very opposite schedules. Him and I, I work nights. He works days. He also has two kids. Um, so it's just very hard for us to get together and go see these movies. But I absolutely, for the most part, refuse to go see movies with anyone else. That's just kind of our thing. When it wasn't my brother, it was my dad. And then my dad passed away. So now it's me and my brother. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> um, did you have any idea that it was connected? And you said yes, that? yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I read the spoilers, and uh, but had I not read those spoilers going into it, um, no, absolutely not. I, I would have had no idea. Like, um, yeah, the ending was still surprising to me, even even knowing about it. To be honest with you, see, I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I because again, like we've discussed last week and a little bit this week. Uh, Shyamalan had a lot of misses before uh, getting it right with uh, yes. the split. And I, so I was kind of hesitant to even go see this. So I didn't see it. I ended up picking it up on Black Friday for like $6. Oh, really? And we ended up watching it uh, shortly thereafter. Once I found out that it was connected to Unbreakable, I just knew that it was connected to Unbreakable. I didn't know how. Oh, okay. Um. And you can tell that there was a lot of swings and misses because Unbreakable came out in 2000. This came out in 2016. And he's been working pretty steadily, uh, Shyamalan, between those two films. Yes. Um, And I think a lot of people were kind of waiting for this type of film. And it's like, like, oh, you, you killed it with The Sixth Sense. You killed it with Unbreakable. Signs was okay. Yeah, and then it just it went all downhill. Yeah, water the happening. uh, Yeah, that one like where they're visiting their grandparents. Yeah, the visit. Yep. Um, After the the happening for me was where it was just that was that was end game for me right there, man. Oh, buddy, Mark Wahlberg as any sort of teacher of anything is just but like he was like yeah he was like a science teacher or some shit and it's just like what the Fuck, this is the fucking guy who was in a funky bunch, for Christ's sake. What the hell's wrong with you? It's like, no, dude, you, you used to break thumbs in Dorchester. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, and yeah, just he was just bad in it. So, like, even if you do think Mark Wahlberg overall is a great actor, this was just a. But like, even if somehow he did manage to pull off a convincing science teacher, he just like one of the most made fun of lines in any movie is the happening what? when the. No. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna kill me in my sleep, aren't you? What? No, like. And that's the same woman from who played uh, the, the psychiatrist. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also the grandmother in that in that visit movie. I think I believe so. Yeah, um, and then yeah, you're right. After Earth and the Last Airbender, like man, he just and the village. I hated the village. My I did dad not actually like the village. My dad actually enjoyed the village, but my dad like he enjoyed a lot of movies. Pretty much any movie he saw. He uh, there's very few movies he didn't like. So that didn't surprise me. But I hated it, man. And and I was still pretty young when that came out. So. Uh, I was I was like my dad like I pretty much liked everything so for me to actually leave that movie hating it was very rare uh, at that age for me I I was I was very easy to please so yeah that the happening and then that was it after the village and then the happening I was like yeah no I can't give this guy a chance but admittedly I saw the trailers for Split and I knew even even when I saw it with Shalomalan I knew I was like I'm 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 going to see this it looked good so well I like McAvoy and. You know, it's what's tough is a lot of it's like the village. You're, you're saying like you didn't like the village. Think about who's in that. You have William Hurt, Sigourney Weaver, yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard, Adrian freaking Brody. Like amazing. Cast. Yeah. And even Lady in the Water. Not a good film. But Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Who is just awesome. Bryce yep. Dallas Howard was really good in that, too. It's. But the perform I, I think this is easily the best performance anyone has given in any of his films. The way McAvoy really delves into the different personalities and the conflict within like I was mentioning, this scene that's at fifty seven fifty. He is Dennis uh to kind of keep any suspicion from them is still seeing the psychiatrist, but he's doing it as Barry. But every time Barry has the light, he's sending emails like, help us, we need you, something bad is happening, because he's not part of the Horde. The Horde is basically three personalities. It's Patricia, yes. it's Dennis, and Ash's favorite, Hedwig, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Oh, he's so cute. But Dennis is keeping up this facade, like trying to do his best impersonation, but he's not fooling this this psychiatrist who has been working with him for decades. So finally, at this, you know, she's like, I know it's Dennis. I know you're not Barry. He's like, no, no, I'm Barry. I'm Barry. No, I'm totally Barry. And she's like, no. And she's like appealing to him. And McAvoy's face, with just a few twitches of his facial muscles, he goes from, yeah, I'm Barry, to... Dennis and it's at that point and it's fucking brilliant because Dennis has this very serious stern look and it's 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 done without CGI like that's the biggest thing like there's no CGI it's just McAvoy's natural talent at just manipulating what he looks like now Ash as you mentioned earlier today that Hedwig is your favorite. Tell people about Hedwig, and he's not the owl from Harry Potter. This is completely different. Tell people about this this personality. I 
love this personality so much because it is a stark contrast to the other personalities that Kevin has created for himself. And I, it's obvious that he created Hedwig as a chance to hold on to this youth that he lost you know, to, to, to kind of recreate this uh, childhood that, uh, you, you know, he wasn't able, he didn't have a great childhood, so he's able to recreate it with this personality called Hedwig. And I love Hedwig. First of all, the way James McAvoy, just kind of going off of what Patrick just said about the um, mannerisms and whatnot, the way he walks, he crouches down and gets to a level where uh, it, that's believable for a nine-year-old. He wears a tracksuit. He speaks with a lisp. He says, etc. cetera, in, uh, incessantly. Like, you know, it's like, a way to sound smart. Right. Like, which is uh, something that kids do when they hear a word that they think. Pretty. Yeah. You know, when they hear a word that they think makes them sound smart. Or, you know, that they think is going to impress their friends or whatever. They... You're going to get me into trouble, etc. Yeah, you know, so he just he just constantly says it. Um, he loves Kanye West. That's his jam. He loves... Hell know... of a dancer. Right? Hell of a dancer. Say. Do you know, just to Hell of a dancer. interject, do you know why that part was put in the movie? Why, he, why Shyamalan wrote that line? No, because apparently there's a, a a line in one of Kanye's songs, and I'm not a Kanye fan. I think he's a fucking idiot. Um, no. Where he says uh, something about like I'm unbreakable. They don't call me Mr. Glass or something. So as kind of like a, a tit for tat thing, like I'll shout you out because you shouted yeah, me okay. out. Okay. <laughs> I was just—I just want to add one thing about oh, Hedwig because because you didn't get to this part in the movie. Well, I haven't gotten to anything yet. No, no, no. Like you didn't—I don't know if you remember it because you didn't get to this part in the movie in your rewatch today, where he asks uh, Casey if he can kiss her. Yeah, that was towards the beginning. And he's like, "You—you you might be pregnant now." Yes. <laughs> okay. I thought uh, that was further towards the end. I didn't no, know if you no, that, that was—that's more right, towards well, like the beginning, middle. Um, but anyways, it's, it's, he's this stereotypical nine-year-old just living his best life, um, want to be like, I don't want to say want to be gangsta, but just like listening to music that he thinks is cool, that he thinks other people will think is cool, just wanting to be liked by everyone. And he says that too, that some of the other, um, like he's left out of the loop from, uh, what some of the other personalities are planning, like they don't talk to him, they make fun of him, um, and I think that's so important because it's probably the most relatable personality that he he has. And Hegwig also has the ability to step into the light whenever he so chooses, which the other personalities don't so much have. Even if another personality is there. Yes. And the the psychiatrist does mention at some point when she's giving her lecture via Skype to Paris that two personalities can simultaneously uh, possess the light. And that's the whole re- that's the only reason why Hedwig is a part of the horde. Because he brings nothing else. Right. Well, he's also super gullible. 
as well. Like any child is. A lot of children are. You tell them that, you know. He's innocent. Yeah. He doesn't know any better. Like, right. I'm he's, kissing you. Now you're pregnant. He's so naive. And it's <laughs> such a, I don't know, it's the scenes with, with Hedwig. And you see that um, in the, like the other actresses when he's in the room. Kind of like the, 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 the mirror off of them. They're totally taken aback they're like what the what's like what the fuck is this because you know they've met dennis they see patricia and in walks hedwig and you know he's almost walking on his My name's hedwig i have red socks <laughs> yes yes you know yes. and it's just he's coming to get you he's it's gonna be bad i also have blue socks yeah <laughs> you know like it's it's he's all over the place in his explanations but he's so innocent and he kind of wants to help them but like he also knows that he has a job to do and it's like you know, so so he's conflicted. It's and he mentions multiple times. He's like, I don't want to get in trouble. And Casey tries to kind of play on that. They're like, Oh, the beast isn't coming for us. The beast is coming for you. That's what that's what the, the Miss Patricia said. And he's like, No, she she's not mad at me anymore. You know, kind of like she's playing on his uh, his insecurities. But there's an actual event that happened in the past that he thinks she's referencing but she has no fucking clue she's just trying to plant any seed of doubt and she's like oh if you help us we'll help you and the Hedwig uh, personality is actually crucial uh, to the Casey character because she takes advantage of him at one point and asks him to he mentions his room and she's like oh can I see your room because he mentions that he has a window in his room, which actually, you know, come to find out, it's not a window, it's just a drawing of a window. But she finds a walkie-talkie yep. in his room and uses that to contact people, you know, kind of to get help and stuff. So, you know, Hedwig is, is kind it's of... It's his work walkie-talkie. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the guy at the end, the very end when, you know, she's rescued... The guy looks at her and like you see the dawning realization like, oh, shit, this is who was talking to me on the walkie. Uh-huh. And she was just like it wasn't someone playing a prank, which is what they think it is. But but anyways, but crucial, you know, that that part anyways. And that's also where he shows her his sweet dance moves. Yeah. He, he so it sweet. Like it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like was done in Unbreakable, a lot of the... It's a little more subtle in this. It's a little more nuanced. There's a lot of um, specific choices for camera angles, um, especially when it you know comes to people's perspective and viewpoints. So, Ripken, let me ask you, and because there's a... Because people love their theories and love connecting. And they know that this movie is connected. And So here's my, my, my question to you, and Ash is also to you as well. In Unbreakable, we see that um, Kevin... Uh, one of the people that he interacts with, David Dunn, one of the people he interacts with is a rather abusive mother and a child. And there are people saying that that was Kevin and his mother. And it's also alluded to that uh, 
Kevin's father died in a on a train or had something to do with a train. And they're saying that that was due to uh, the same accident where Bruce Willis discovered that he was indestructible. Do you buy that at all, or do you think that's just people grasping at straws? I, I think it's a fun little theory. It's the, definitely the first I've heard about it. Uh, I'm, I, I know the exact part you're thinking of when he goes to is it a, train, a train station or Grand Central Station. Pen, if uh, I'm Penn Station would be. Penn Station, guess. thank you, yeah. Uh, and uh, just kind of puts his arms out and uh, sees what happens as people walk by him. So, But yeah, no, I hadn't heard that before, but it, I think it's a fun little theory. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that's probably just all it is. Uh, again, you'd have to probably wait for the next movie to come out to maybe get some sort of confirmation. Typical comic book move, too, that um, now that you're saying that, and uh, we know from the previews of Glass that there is a team-up between uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass and James McAvoy's uh, The Horde. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be in typical comic book movie fashion if uh, McAvoy finds out that Samuel L. Jackson is now somehow responsible for like the death of its father after they've decided to team up. Um, and can you imagine the beast using that bear hug on a guy like Mr. Glass? Wow. That's not something that I, I even thought about, but that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I, and I only thought about it because you brought up that theory. So let's just keep making theories. Well, it's funny is this reminds me a lot of the theory from, Iron Man 2, where the little kid is dressed up as Iron Man and, like, the, the the robot goes to shoot him, but Iron Man comes up behind him and shoots the robot out of his way and goes, hey, nice job, kid, and flies away. Yeah, Peter Parker. On, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, that's Peter Parker as a kid. Yeah. Um, one of the things I found interesting, and I didn't, again, even watching them on consecutive days, I didn't put the two together. The description of the beast that Dennis gives to Dr. Fletcher is identical to the drawing of Jaguaro that Elijah okay. Price is selling at the very yeah. beginning of Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's muscular, he's got long hair, and he's got long fingernails, and he's like, describe it, and it's that fucking guy, and... What I find fascinating is that I think he had a lot of this planned out, maybe not to the extent that he might like us to believe, but I think he might have kind of gone back and like looked at things and kind of forced a few connections, but you don't see them until after you've watched the movies a few times. Yeah, no, I, I can see what you mean. Yeah, no, I, I admittedly, I don't catch stuff like that, no matter how many times I watch it, unfortunately, like until someone points it out to me, because uh, yeah, I even I distinctly remember rewatching Unbreakable and seeing the mother's son and, uh, you know, even thinking to myself like, oh, yeah, no, that one's not worth chasing after. Like, wait for a bigger fish to like grace past you, obviously. Like and then the next one after that is the the teenager, the university or college student yep. who, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's implied that what he did at a party to a drunk girl. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I, yeah, that's 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 a good theory. Um, well, it's also it'll be a very comic book theory. I mean, definitely. Oh, definitely. I, like these are the types of theories you get all the time from these movies. Like you just said, making the uh, the Iron Man comparison. Like, 
oh, there's full YouTube move, uh, videos dedicated to uh, here's some theories of uh, how the MCU is even more connected or whatever. You know, I yeah, for sure, for well, sure. I, I was thinking more Spider-Man's origin. Oh, this is just a small fish. I don't need to worry about this. And then it's like, bam, that person you let go is now like a major play. Like he lets the yeah. guy go that kills Uncle Ben. Yeah, I guess I guess the timeline too would would sort of make sense with uh, with sixteen years going by. I guess I mean yeah. it it might be it might be pushing it a little because what I, I'm going to guess that kid was roughly like six or seven, maybe even a bit younger than that. If he's six uh, or seven, that puts him in his mid twenties. I mean, Mac yeah, could so for mid twenties. Uh, I I yeah yeah for sure he could. Um, uh, I don't know I, though because they be said thinking, he like, worked you, at the he worked yeah. at the zoo for ten years. Yeah, so I'm thinking like 30s for sure, like at least mid 30s, at least mid 30s. So uh, late late 20s. Like, so oh, I mean, I had a job at the zoo when I was 17, and that's where I've been. And they do, and they do imply that the year is 2016 within the movie. So I don't yeah. know if if they ever imply what the exact year of Unbreakable is. Uh, I don't I'd have to look, but yeah, they do I have newspapers and stuff up. Yeah, so unless maybe you see something that says early 90s, like th- that that would sell it for you for sure. If if you saw that in the movie, then I would say hands down for sure. Yes, that's that's a, a proof theory. But if the timeline is 16 years, then I'm going to have to go with no. That was just a bitch-ass mother. Different bitch-ass mother. All right, so we've covered three of the personalities so far. But, Ashes, you have a list of... I have a list of all of them. Yes. Give Woo! us uh, the other personalities. And like I already talked about one, Jade, who is diabetic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the ca- one of the personalities we do get to see towards the end of the film. Yeah. Thanks um, to the computer. You pretty much get to learn all their names. Thanks. And to on the computer. We, we see three other person. I think he plays a total of eight in this film. We see eight separate. We have Hedwig, Dennis. Patricia, Kevin, there is eight. Yes, yeah, so Jade. Hold on, and I can go. through I was gonna it. say you have the list. I have the list. I did my research, motherfucker. So obviously, you have Kevin himself. You you do see at the end of the film, he's a very terrified young man. Um, asks Casey to kill him. He was on a bus. He was on a bus. And that's the last thing he remembered was being on a bus two years prior. That's why you don't take public transportation, kids. You fucking develop 20. Yeah, exactly. The horde takes you over. Stay away from buses. That's what this movie's teaching us. I'm pretty sure. I think. Right. And we only see him for that brief moment of that scene. Yes. And then he allows one of the other personalities to step into the light. Well, he doesn't allow it. They just push him out of the the, way to protect him. They take him over. Or Hedwig wished it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we have Hedwig, who we already spoke about, the nine-year-old boy. Uh, there's Barry, who is the original dominant personality, because Dennis and Patricia weren't to be trusted. They weren't good, so they all came to this conclusion that Barry would be the mo- dominant personality, and Barry was the one who was going to the appointments yep, and with sending the therapist the emails. and sending the emails. You know, he's very calm and level-headed. Loves fashion. And, oh, yeah, loves <laughs> fashion. Um, you know, very uh, slightly ostentatious with some of his mannerisms. Yes. Um, 
but you know just all around like he's a nice he's a nice guy you would have no clue that that was an unstable person and that was one of the things i was i wanted to quickly touch before i let you get right back to what you're doing i'm, I'm gonna let you finish oh my god no uh, don't, don't you kanye west me <laughs> oh are we derailing off <laughs> um part of the reason why i'm not i don't know why exactly patricia was kind of pushed away but we know that Dennis was pushed aside because of his proclivity to have young girls dance naked for him. Mm-hmm. So that we did cover that. But I forgot about the whole part where they got pushed aside and that's why they were so enamored with the beast. Right. So uh, then speaking of Dennis, you also have Dennis, who is obviously one of the more disturbing personalities you know like patrick said that he was very perverted liked watching young girls dance for him um you know which is one of the reasons why he was it was decided that he couldn't be trusted they kind of pushed him to the back but he comes forward um especially when he's working with patricia and in preparation of the likes of the the beast personality and he's the one that has the ocd characteristic as well then you go into (laughs) hello patricia who is very she's sophisticated she has kind of a a a slight english accent she's very orderly polite matriarchal yes you know uh very um considerate towards the girls and the other personalities she uh, is very particular. She doesn't, um, you, you, you know, she's not out of place. She's not disheveled when she's around and nothing is out of place or disheveled. Can I touch on one thing about her really Go quick? Ahead. Towards the Go end ahead. when Kevin's trying to like take control and like say, kill me and this is where my gun is and this is where the bullets are. He's got like a, a like a a blanket or a small blanket or a towel wrapped around him. Yeah, it covers his breasts. Yeah, when Patricia (laughs) takes over, she kind of adjusts it just a little bit. Just a little bit to cover her shame. And it's like, it's another brilliant McAvoy moment. Yeah. Oh, also, she hates uneven cuts. Yes. She cut the sandwich in slightly crooked. Yeah, she's a perfectionist. And smashed the knife down and got pissed. Both her and Dennis have, like, their own sorts of, like, OCD kind of thing, like... He's very clean. She's just very perfectionist. And I'm wondering if she is kind of like a an idealistic homage to his mother. Maybe. In a yeah, sense. yeah, that makes kind a lot of like sense. How how he viewed her, or like the way maybe, he wished she could have been. Right. You know, so some kind of like amalgamation of 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 that. And then of course you go into the beast, which is what we see towards the end of the film. And the beast is, you know, what has uh, everything has been leading up to this. He's the twenty fourth personality. You see him go through an actual physical transformation, becoming this personality. Does it have the description in your um, notes? Um, like the skin, like a rhino, and let me see. Well, it does say that he's um, probably influenced because this takes place as a zoo, at a zoo. Uh, the main personality um, works at the Kevin. zoo that he probably took influence from all of the animals, all of these strong animals that he wished he could be like. Yes. 
Because she specifically, with the, when she's trying to convince Dennis as Barry that the Beast isn't real because all the altars have met each other, she's like, oh, can cling to the wall and climb walls and, you know, you know, super strong like a gorilla and, you know, thick skin like a rhino. Well, like, I mean, it's just, do you want me to read the paragraph that's yeah. here? Yeah, what do you got? Okay, so the Beast is a malevolent and rancorous figure idolized by Dennis, Patricia, and Hedwig, who all await his arrival. He is a megalomaniac, believing that those who are broken and who have suffered are superior to anybody else, but also that those who haven't are irrelevant and that they are, quote, asleep. This philosophy rules its actions entirely, since the beast goes from savagery to glee at seeing that Casey has suffered seriously in her life and declares that Casey is is the main girl uh, and declares that her heart is pure. The beast is extremely destructive and violent to the point of savagery, having an unquenchable lust for human flesh and an intense perspective that the rest of the world are impure because they have not suffered like he has. The beast possesses superhuman strength, speed, agility, stamina, invulnerability, and pain tolerance. It can rip metal bars apart and snap a human body in half with its bare hands. It also has the ability to climb walls using even the slightest grip. Finally, the beast is incredibly hard to kill since bullets are virtually ineffective against it and knives shatter the against its skin. The beast is viewed as an almost godlike figure by the other 23 identities and they are in awe of what it can accomplish. Yeah, because we see <coughs> some of these feats. We see him climbing on the walls. Mm-hmm. We yeah. see him bending bars. We see Doing him Doing things that the human Although... body should not be able to do. To be fair, and we see the physical transformation, like as he transitions from one. And again, this is another, you know, physical characteristic of the personality. We see him becoming more vascular, mm-hmm. like you see the veins pop up against his skin. Well, that's what I was saying. Like the the physical transformation, mm-hmm. you see his muscles as opposed to just a bulging. facial. Yeah, it's not like a, just a facial tick. It's a complete or a body posture. transformation. Like you see his the his uh, like the his spine like starting to you know, protrude, protrude out of his back. Yeah. You know, because it looks like a. It's almost. It reminds me of like a a, a werewolf transformation. Kind of. Yeah. 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 But we see him bending metal bars, telling Casey. You know, because you know, getting to the savagery, he eats the other two girls like he rips them apart rips mm-hmm. them open like tears their stomach open like an animal would do yeah so the girls are alive while they're being eaten and when he gets her the first time he bites the shit out of her leg and she locks herself in a cage to escape him but he was bending the bars but as he approached her he says your bullets are no good against me dude takes two point blank shotgun blasts yep and we see him at the end as all the pers- when he's talking amongst himself, when it's the Beast and it's Hedwig and it's uh, Dennis and it's Patricia, you know, he's patching himself up. He even says it didn't go through, meaning like the bullets didn't penetrate. And if you watch the trailer, you can see the uh, it's his left shoulder. You can see the scar on his left shoulder from where he was shot. I forgot about the second one in the stomach, but yeah, 
two shots, and he gets up and starts bending the bar, and he's got the blood in his <laughs> mouth. And, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so two more that they show. Jade that you mentioned, she is the teenage girl that we diabetic. see. The diabetic teenage girl that we see in the video. And then there's Orwell, who briefly appears when Kevin, uh, when Casey calls Kevin into the light. Uh, Orwell is highly intelligent and introverted, whose verbosity tends to overshadow his intended meeting. So we see him very, very briefly, um, but it's it's a split. But if you, it's a no split pun, no second. pun, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you listen close, and again, this is towards the end, so you didn't see this part. If well, I mean, I did when I today, watched it the first time. Like I just didn't recently, see it on the rewatch. What he's talking about is like a historical battle where people are repelling the horde. You know, so like what he's talking about is almost like a metaphor for the different personalities inside of Kevin's head. Right. And there are 16 other personalities that are not shown, but we see them on Kevin's computer. And they are Einrich, Norma, Goddard, Bernice, Polly, Luke, Rachel, Felicia, Ansel, Jalen, Kat, BT, Samuel, Mary Reynolds, Ian, and Mr. Pritchard. And Mr. Pritchard is a reference to signs because that's the Pritchard family. Mm-hmm. She does mention a couple of them. The, the, the doctor, Fletcher, mentions a couple of them. Now, I will say the one physical feat that I was not really impressed with was crushing the doctor. It's like, come on, she's an old lady. <laughs> well, that's why I'm actually kind of see. Uh, I'm anxious to see what happens in this next one to see if he continues to bear hug people. Especially, uh, I, I I'm looking forward to the confrontation. Now, this is a a, a little bit of a, a a prediction for me, but I'm predicting that everything that we see in the trailer is like the very beginning of the movie, like the doctors being in the the the, the doctor that. Uh, what am I? Sarah what's the Paulson. word I'm looking for? Sarah Paulson yes. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yes. No, thank you. That's going to be like the beginning of the second act. So at the end of Split, we see people trying to remember, you know, Mister Glass, and it kind of pans. The camera pans over. She's like, "What about that guy that killed all those people? The guy in the wheelchair? What was his name?" And it pans over, and there's fucking Bruce Willis, and he goes, "Mister Glass, wearing his security outfit." Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, Mr. Glass was the same last two words in the first film, too. So they were wondering what the, how they're going to incorporate that into the third. But my guess is he's going to go out looking for Kevin. And I've pieced this together from some of the trailers myself. He bumps into him and, like, gets his flash, shows up where those cheerleaders are, fights the beast, police show up. They all get arrested, taken down somehow, and that is why all three of them are in that one room at the at the uh, asylum for a little. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. Why else would Bruce Willis be there? You know, that, why would yeah, they no, all be in point. the same room? And yeah, I think well, even he even says it in the trailer at one point. I don't. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing here. And all three of them are are you know going through, and this is when. Mr. Glass starts getting his plan together, and he's like, I'd like to meet the Beast, and 
you know, because we learn at the end of Unbreakable, there's two types of villains. There's the soldier villain, and then there's the mastermind. So Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a, a pretty damn good uh, conversation. What we'll do, yeah. um, we'll take a quick break. We'll mm-hmm. come back. Um, we'll introduce our battle. And uh, I think we'll wrap things up. So we'll be back in just a moment. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created F is for Family. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Hello, this is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers Podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. And we are back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you had anything you want to add, definitely hit us up on uh, social media and throw down Thursday podcast at gmail.com. If anything you want to add, you can keep your comments to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. No, keep your comments to ourselves. We'll have a uh, <laughs> conversation amongst ourselves. Sorry, that was just my other personality. Oh. So uh, once again, I want to uh, I want to thank Ripken for joining us, coming oh, back a second time. Uh, and you can definitely check out the derailers and uh the derailers is uh you can find it pretty much everywhere fine podcasts are found you know itunes google play stitcher podbean spotify youtube you're you're uploading stuff to youtube now right yep yep uh derailed wrestling you can follow him on twitter at ripkin wn you can follow the derailers at the derailers and you can follow his other co-host goobs at goobs wn so this is going to be our first battle of the year. What? Uh, I know nice. we, we kind of got away from battles for a while, but I thought the most appropriate one, because we don't know the answer to this, and we won't know it till after the show airs, uh, who do you think is going to win the ultimate showdown? Are between... we not doing battles? Oh, what? Jesus. Oh, my God. What See, are this you is doing? What happens. Was... Oh, oh, yeah. Sweetie, play, what play are that. you doing? Play, yeah, play that song, please. I'm sorry. So that was How could we forget it's we haven't our done awesome the entrance battle music especially because from Enchanted Exile starring our buddy Steve and his brother Timmy Cricks. Especially because those guys now just dropped their first podcast, Retro Redoctopus. Right. So check those dudes out because it's a I listened to the uh 
the it's little clip. freaking awesome. Their intro is the best. So just check that out. It uh, it involves nine testicles. Let's just put it that way. So I don't want to give away anything else. But yes, our battle this week is going to be, uh, it's basically just going to be a vote. Who do you think is going to win the ultimate showdown between David Dunn and the Beast when they finally match up on screen? Right, because I feel like that's the, that's obviously going to happen. That's what everything has been leading up to. It's going to happen a couple times. Because we always, in any superhero movie, especially when it's two heroes of essentially the same powers, which it always is, they match up at the beginning, and then they come back for the final showdown. So who do you think is going to win? We'll put up the votes, and uh, we'll see who's right. This isn't an opinion thing. We will literally see what happens. So Hmm. that is our first battle of 2019. Yay! So, again, uh, I want to thank Ripken of the Derailers for joining us. Yay! Thank you for uh, thank you sharing your incredible theories because uh, there's some stuff that we didn't think about. Yeah, it's true. I've actually I've actually got one more quick one here. Just okay. one more quick one more quick theory here, and it's in regards to who I think will win. Okay. And uh, obviously, I've never actually d- taken a good look at the other names on the computer. So hearing Ashes uh, read most of them out was like the first time I had heard them. So as much as I'm rooting for the Beast, I have a feeling it's going to be a surprise victory for Mary Reynolds, who's going <laughs> to come out of left field and just take Dunn completely out. Probably smack him with her purse, because that sounds like, so, sounds like something Mary Reynolds would do. And then she'll ask to speak to your manager. Because yes. that also sounds like something right? Mary Reynolds would do. Hashtag Team Mary Reynolds. Exactly. So that's uh, that's just my uh, late prediction in the show. Go Mary Reynolds. Uh, really excited to see the movie Glass. And super stoked that I got to join you guys on the Throwdown Thursday podcast yet again for two straight episodes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We're very glad that you were able to join us. And uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future. Excellent. So I think with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we will see see you you next Thursday. Thursday. We see you next Thursday. See you next Thursday.